Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon, I'm Chuan Tian with your Market View. After reaching 10 year highs in 2020, the working capital of the SP 1,500 companies returned in 2021 to levels prior to the COVID 19 outbreak. Now, this is led by a recovery in the global economy. And these are among key findings in JP Morgan's 2022 edition of the Working Capital Index report, which was published recently. The annual report analyzes the working capital metrics of companies listed on the S&P Composite 1500 index. Now, it also found cash levels amongst corporates reducing last year as firms deploy funds strategically after a period of cash preservation. But how will all that weigh on firms' performance for the rest of this year? For more, I'm joined by Gurang Shah. He's the Global Advisory Head of Payments at JP Morgan and also the author of the report. Hi, Gurang. Hi, Tian Tian. Nice to be with you. Great to have you on our show as well. Gurang, we've touched on this briefly in the introduction, but the working capital of S&P 1,500 companies returned to pre-pandemic levels last year, what does it mean for their operations? So, Tian Tian, the the working capital was high mainly because of the uncertainty in the market, right, with the COVID essentially. And whenever there is more uncertainty, people tend to be risk averse. And as a result, the working capital levels did go up as the demand essentially of goods and services went down. But what changed was the monetary and fiscal stimulus that came in. And as a result, the working capital levels went down in 2021 with the easing of the monetary uh, uh, supply, if you will. In terms of the corporate operations, what it means is that the forecasting became easier. Uh, The liquidity pressure that was there when the working capital went high went down. As a result, you can be a bit more relaxed, if you will, if you're a treasurer. Uh, saying that the, it's not as much pressure in terms of ensuring there is enough liquidity in the company. But having said that, Tianti, and one of the other things that we also have mentioned is mm-hmm. that the change in working capital is equally important as working capital. And the changes that we found because of still the supply shocks being there, the working capital volatility was very high. And when you have that, you still feel like there is, uh, you, you cannot completely Uh, take your eye off the ball, if you will. And as a result, uh, there was still uh, pressure on Treasury to ensure that they are not going to uh, cash levels, which were pre-pandemic levels. Even the working capital levels went down below the pre-pandemic levels. The cash levels were still higher than the pre-pandemic levels. That just tells us that people were still keeping some cash buffers uh, to to manage this volatility in working capital. Hmm. Which brings me to my second question, which is uh, managing working capital right now, because as we all know, there is the war in Ukraine, there are rising commodity prices, supply chain shocks as well. You mentioned that they are keeping cash buffers, but working capital has gone down. So how are they funding all those uh, expenditures in the moment? So that's an interesting point that I just met a few clients recently. And what we are seeing is the working capital levels have gone up in 2022. We haven't got the numbers for 2022 yet, but the anecdotal evidence is that due to the shocks, the geopolitical tensions that we have seen um, and the interest rates going up in reaction to the inflationary pressure that we are seeing uh, across the world, 
has created uh, the working capital pressure again. So even though the levels went down in 2021, what we will see most likely is 2022, the working capital levels are going up. And as a result, uh, people are again focused on ensuring that the liquidity pressures are not high. Mm. Gurung, in the meantime, uh, we have seen last year firms deploying funds strategically after a period of cash preservation. Now, this year, bearing in mind that there are uncertainties as well, where are firms deploying their funds to? Where are they investing in? ESG is one of those areas, I understand. Yeah, so, so it, it, it's, it actually depends upon the companies and the industries they are focused on, right? Uh, industries they are um, working in. So in certain industries where there is growth opportunities, they are investing again in their business, essentially. So that might mean capital expenditure or hiring more resources if it is more uh, software type companies. And if it is uh, not a growth company, they are looking at potentially using that surplus funds to pay back their debt or buying back shares. So that usually is the, the two prong approach that we normally see whenever there is excess liquidity. The ESG is a good point that you bring up because that's the third element which is coming up now and it is becoming more important and we are seeing that most of the CEXOs in the analyst uh, investor presentations have been mentioning about the importance of ESG and they are trying to take actions to not only manage the shareholder act as a stakeholder but also look at the other stakeholders, which are the communities, the environment we live in, the social responsibilities that they have. So it's actually all in good light, if you will, and in a way that we are becoming more cognizant about our other stakeholders besides shareholders. And that is where we are seeing certain amount of uh, focus and there will be future spend in that direction to reduce the carbon, of course, in environment, but also in social and governance areas. And I also understand pharmaceuticals, automotive, they are among sectors that saw most improvement in their working capital efficiency. efficiency. So what, why is that the case and what, are, what does it mean for firms in, that, in those sectors? So the main reason for this is uh, you've you got to see the supply and demand. And I think both industries had a uh, high demand, if you will, uh, but there were some differences in healthcare sector. What we found because of COVID, there was high demand for what they produce. And as a result, when you have high demand and uh, you usually tend to see a big improvement in working capital because your inventory goes down and you're trying to meet the demand out there for, for, your, for what they produce. And that was the reason why we saw a big improvement in fact, for pharma, we saw 30-day inventory days improve. And so that was the working capital was highly correlated to the inventory change, if you will. In automotive, it was also because of high demand, uh, but there was a supply side story also. And this, because of the semiconductor shortage in 2021, they were not able to produce the same number of cars. Nowadays, when we buy cars, they have so many semiconductor chips. And if you can't get those in, in time, essentially what you found is that they were not able to manufacture at the same rate as they used to. So because of that, the, the demand was there, but the supply shocks essentially made their inventory go down by almost eight days, but the cash conversion cycle went down by 17 days because people were willing to pay early uh, for what they were, uh, for, for buying their cars. 
So th th those were the two industries that saw significant improvement in working capital. Mm. If you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Gurang Shah, who's the Global Advisory Head for Payments at JP Morgan uh, Gurang. The report also estimates that 523 billion US dollars worth of liquidity remain trapped within the supply chains of S&P 1500 companies. What does that mean? So for, for this, Tiantian, we need to understand how we came up with this number. So let me just briefly explain that. That uh, amount is basically... In an industry, if you are in, we divide that um, the set of companies into four quadrants, qu uh, quadrants, uh, and depending on where they are. So, supposing you are in the third quadrant, if you will, but there are certain companies who are doing better than you. So, if you, we're not saying you need to be the first quadrant, but you just go one quadrant up. So, from Q, the third quadrant, you come to the second quadrant. Then, what does it mean in terms of the cash released by the company? So with that, we calculated this and we found like the opportunities of 523 billion. So it just tells you that so much money gets trapped in the working capital and there is an ability to focus on that. Once you focus on that, you can release that cash um, from your business. And that's the cheapest source of funding because it's in your system. You don't have to pay up for that, right? It's, it's free money that you could release from working capital. Of course, it means be paying attention to your suppliers, paying attention to what your payment terms are with your consumers, and then seeing opportunities in ensuring that uh, getting to at least one quartile up. Once they release the cash, of course, they can go back to using that for growth uh, if they are growing companies or for paying off debt or buying back shares if it is more in a stable cash generating business. Mm, just just so for the sake of our listeners, would it be right to understand that how you derive the numbers, basically, if firms were, were to be able to move one quadrant up in terms of their performance, how much more would they spend in investments? Is, is that right to say that using the working capital? Yeah, so in, in an industry, though, so we focus by industry because every industry has different dynamics. Uh, everything you said is right, except that it should be within an industry is how we calculate that. And uh, when can we free the money up? <laughs> <laughs> So it's look, I think if you what I've seen, at least in my experience, is the companies who are very focused on working capital in some of my clients, it's coming directly from their CFO, uh, who is putting that as a key KPIs for his team, his or her team. And they are mentioning that in their investor presentation. So when that happens, you typically tend to see um, improvements in payment runs, or uh, supply use of supply chain financing to allow decrease in AP, for example, uh, if the DPO or base payable outstanding. If you see in cash application, better use of electronic invoicing rather than manual invoicing, we tend to see a better cash application rate, and that allows the DSO to or day sales outstanding to go down, if you will. So with whether DPO goes up or DSO goes down, that helps clients in terms of their working capital and they are able to go up in their, in, in their performance of working capital vis-a-vis -vis their peers in the industry. So that's, I think, the main thing that pe the companies uh, focus on. The, those who are focused on working capital see as the ways to improve it. And how, what they do with this released cash, released cash is essentially um, use it in, uh, the various places of business growth or uh, share buyback or share debt payment. 
Um, Gurung, just for the sake of our listeners as well, um, working capital I would assume that having less working capital means that they are investing more in terms of short-term expenditures. But how does uh, the change in working capital affect firms' performance and also their well, also their market performance in a way. So that's a very important point, right? So if you look at working capital, it's essentially part of the invested capital. So in, when you look at invested capital in any corporate, it is working capital, which is the short-term uh, part of the capital usage, and then the fixed capital, which is the machinery and uh, the real estate that you might have, right? The when you release the working capital, essentially you are reducing the invested capital in your business. And by reducing that invested capital, your return on invested capital goes up because ROIC is nothing but net income divided by invested capital. The less capital to generate the same amount of income the, means that you get higher return on invested capital, which is higher than what our, the investors might be expecting. And if they, overcome the cost of capital that most companies will have um, as a hurdle rate, then that means the share price will go up. And that's how the long-term institutional investors look at the performance of a company as how they are return on invested capital changes. So reducing working capital has a direct correlation to improving share price or market valuation. Mm. And I understand uh, the 2022 uh, numbers, as you mentioned, uh, you're still waiting for those numbers to be out speaking to industry players. But in the meantime, a lot of volatilities, markets betting on a 75 basis points interest rate hike in September. Um, looking at all these headwinds, all these uncertainties for S&P 1,500 companies, how do you see them managing their working capital going forward for the rest of this year at least? So uh, th- what has happened is it, it's like a spring action, right? So we got a bump, which was the COVID-19 pandemic. And when you go into the bump, the spring moves, right? And so uh, uh, what happened is just like a spring and shock absorber, the central banks put in a lot of money into the system and there were governments who put a lot of fiscal stimulus, right? So with that, we saw the um, mitigating factor for uh, the effects of the pandemic. But then you saw the ugly face of inflation because of that, right? So, so with that, you need to you kind of overcorrect, and then you go back into uh, correcting it back to the level um, which uh, is what uh, is going through right now. So, um, sorry, uh, and that's what. It will be seen in this year. So what happened was the demand side was very high in 2021 with the inflation and that created high inflation. What happens with this year's interest rate increases is trying to decrease that demand and bring that demand and supply in check, in balance. Mm. There are still supply shocks. China still has a zero COVID uh, policy. So there are still supply chain issues due to the geopolitical tensions, just taking Ukraine as an example, it was a big supplier of grains. Taking Russia as an example, it's a big supplier of oil and gas. So all of this have created uh, issues in terms of the supply side. So what the idea is that trying to reduce the demand with higher interest rates. Uh, And when that happens, you will start seeing a little bit better pricing and working capital come back to a level which is like a steady state when you're driving on road 
which is smoother rather than bumpy. Till then, we will keep seeing this bumpier, mm. uh, uh, bumpier, I guess, economy, if you will. And if you're a corporate treasurer, you need to keep that into account in terms of how much liquidity you need to keep uh, to get through this uncertain phase. All right. Thank you very much. That was Gurang Shah. He's the Global Advisory Head of Payments at JP Morgan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.